0: It's great to have you with us on this really celebratory Sunday as we remember our bicentennial and turn to God's Word. Our central passage, as I already mentioned, is going to be Isaiah chapter 55. We'll also read a couple verses from Isaiah 43 as well. And this music that you've just sung, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy, broadly speaking, as well as specifically, literally, an anthem that is written off of Isaiah 55, the beginning verses, uh, frames the opening of the message today. And we're gonna learn at the close of the message today, and then heading into a singing response, another song, The Trees of the Field, which is a messianic, a Jewish messianic song, or uh, song uh, that celebrates Isaiah 55, verse 12. So the message today, is the gospel prescription, gospel prescription. Anybody need help? Anybody need healing? Anybody need hope? Well, here is the gospel prescription. Number one, come as you are. We just sang about that. We just heard the choir singing about that. Come as you are, and then go out new. It's going to be the close of Isaiah 55. And in the middle, how is all this possible? The New Testament, New Testament, new people. We're going to be talking about God's offer, his free offer to you and to me of salvation through the true son, the true servant, Jesus Christ, the one who has died and atoned for sin and been raised and exalted. And at the right hand of the father intercedes for transgressors, as Isaiah 53 tells us not just the New Testament, Isaiah 53. So it's a free offer of salvation. But here's the deal. It's time now to accept the invitation and to come to him. And even if you say, well, I've already accepted that invitation. My question is, are you truly banqueting in joy with the Lord right now? And I want to be inviting you by God's word to be coming to the Lord and living on him and his word and fellowship with him in the right banquet, in the good banquet, and in the banquet that leads to eternal life and will last forever. So to frame out the sermon today, number one, and you can see it in the sermon notes that you have, number one, come as you are, number two, know and believe in the New Testament. Know and believe in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. And then number three, go out new. Don't go out like you used to be. Go out new. And as New Testament gospel witnesses. Let's pray together. Lord, open your word to us as we open, Lord, your message through the prophet Isaiah and indeed all of your scriptures. And ultimately, oh Lord, through Jesus, your son, our Savior, who fulfills your purposes, your pleasure, your calling, and all your word, may we truly come to him and believe in him and what he has done for us, and go out empowered as new people with changed hearts and changed lives. In his name we pray, amen. So first, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. This early message in that segment of Isaiah 40 through 55 that's increasingly opening up the move towards the coming of the servant and the salvation that he brings. Remember not the former things, nor dwell on the past. Behold, God says, I am going to do a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing. Now it will sprout up. Will you not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert regions. And then to Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you weigh out money for what is not bread and your work for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good And let your soul delight in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear so that your soul may live. And I will make an eternal covenant for you. The sure, loyal love, kindnesses made for David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know and a nation that you do not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord so that he, the Lord, may have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, a declaration of the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, And do not return there, but water, saturate the earth and make it bring forth and sprout and give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So also is my word that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what I please and shall prosper that for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy. And be led forth in shalom, in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord. An eternal sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. It's the same invitation that Cyrus and Sarah Kingsbury gave and brought uh, to those who came to the Mayhew mission. Not only those who came to serve, who were already disciples, Yet the invitation was given to them anew as they stepped out in faith and risked their lives and risked their future in order to serve the Lord, to establish the ministry that led to this church, but also to uh, the freed slaves who came to the fellowship. And the Choctaw who came to the fellowship, the invitation was there then. It is also to you and to me today. Same invitation from 2,700 years ago, the vision given to Isaiah the prophet, running all the way through the fulfillment of that vision with Jesus and his coming 2,000 years ago. And the invitation 200 years ago, Mayhew mission, now to you. The question is, will you respond? Will we respond to the good news transforming new covenant life that God wants to share with us. This is not about the same old, same old. This is about a new empowering way of life that will shine as light in the darkness all around us in the America of the 21st century. But we have to make a choice. Yes, God is sovereign, but God calls us, in fact, condescends to give this invitation to us. Preaching on this passage Uh, Back in the 1800s, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, will you choose for yourself to be lost? Will you count yourself unworthy of eternal life and put eternal life away from yourself? If you will be damned, if you will be damned, you must do it to yourself. Your blood be on your heads. Go down to the pit if you deliberately choose to do so. But know this. Christ has been preached to you, and you would not have him. You chose for yourselves your own ways, and therefore your eternal destruction. You followed the crowd, and you followed the crowd to death and shale. And that is well where they will live forever. But you see, we have this incredible gospel prescription, this gospel invitation Of God's free offer of salvation to us today and I want to invite us to be responding to come as we are and to go out new as New Testament believers and New Testament people. Let's pull back for a minute remember Isaiah Chapters forty through fifty-five. This new, radically pivoting section of the prophecies and the visions that God gives to and through Isaiah. You know, we're we're in a new day and we're looking ahead. Remember, Isaiah forty, comfort, comfort me, uh, comfort my people, says your God. And then all the way through where we've ended up today with Isaiah fifty-five is a grand climax of celebratory invitation to the banquet of the Lord. Now. As you move through here, um, Isaiah 40 through 55, there's an emphasis of the anticipation of the gospel in chapters 40 all the way into 52. Okay. Anticipation of the gospel. Now there's clearly revelation of the gospel, but a lot of it's anticipation. Who's the servant going to be, and how is this going to come about, and what's going to happen? And then you get to 52 and 53, and we bridge into the high emphasis of the revelation of the gospel. So you have anticipation of the gospel, then you have revelation of the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of peace? And how's it going to happen? How is God going to bring his salvation? Well, all of a sudden, we are in that passage of Scripture that we spent Holy Week on, and Palm Sunday and Easter, Isaiah the end of 52 through Isaiah 53. The servant who suffers and is pierced for our transgressions, dies for our sin, yet is victorious and lives to see the light and intercedes for the transgressors and sees, is allowed to see, that he will have abundant children in his household forever. In other words, everybody who believes through him. So that's Isaiah 53 right there at the high point, the revelation of the gospel. And now we move into the couple chapters we've been on the last few weeks after we focused on 53. 54 and 55, they flow out of that high point. Mount Everest of the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, and give the invitation. So anticipation, revelation, and now the invitation of the gospel, the full invitation of the gospel. My favorite commentator on Isaiah, Alec Mateer, likens Isaiah chapter 54 to uh, the book of Revelation with its visions of the new Jerusalem, of the new Zion. And he likens Isaiah 55 to the gospel of John with the great invitation to salvation and eternal life, Isaiah 55, likening that to uh, John's gospel. So here we are again with the gospel prescription. Come as you are, go out new. Number one, you can follow this in your notes. It's pretty simple today. Number one, come as you are. And then let's dig into the scripture, okay? Number one, come as you are. Uh, First part of this, A, is do not dwell in the past. I'm not making that up. I'm actually literally quoting from a good translation of Isaiah 43, the second part of verse 18. Do not dwell on the past. Now, I know we're celebrating our bicentennial today, and there can be some good remembrances of the past. It's not supposed—we're supposed to learn from the past and appreciate the past. But if you personally are stuck in the past, you're in the wrong place for the good news. (laughs) And if you are saying, well, you don't understand what I did 50 years ago or you don't understand what I did five days ago or I've got all these hurts and all these hang-ups, or I've got a grudge against somebody because this preacher or this nun did this or that to me five years ago or 50 years ago and therefore I can't be reconciled with God because I'm so hung up on my problems or their problems. God literally commands you, do not dwell on the past. I am doing something new. That is the movement of Isaiah 40 through 55, leading all the way into the coming of Jesus. Stop getting stuck in the past. Let go of it. Do not dwell in the past. Isaiah 43, 18, remember not the former things, nor dwell on the past. Stop ruminating on the past, folks. Yeah, but if my grandchild had only done this. Yeah, but if my former wife had only... Stop dwelling on the past. God is doing something new. Are you not going to even look at it? And then B, come. You get this trifold command and come. Ho, and then we get a trifold command. Now, let me give you a picture here. This is really amazing. It's just like God condescended to be born as a baby in Bethlehem and be humble and vulnerable so that he might come to save us. This is also really condescending for God. God is like a street vendor and we're out there, everybody's gonna buy something to eat today, right? But you can't buy from everybody unless you get in big trouble. It's like going to the baseball games, right? Are you gonna get the boiled peanuts or the popcorn or this or that? Okay, so God is saying, come buy from me. This is the language of street vendors or marketplace people. That's actually what the poetry is going on here with this trifold. So God says, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. First command, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. It Doesn't matter what you have. You're not going to be able to afford what I'm going to give you. I mean, I'm going to give it to you for free because I paid the ultimate price for it, for you to come to my table, okay? This is what God's saying. And then number three, third command, again, Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Let me talk specifically for a moment about this invitation to the water. Uh, We take for granted that water is pretty easy, even from the tap water, even if we're, um, you know, normal folks. Now, I know most of y'all are pretty fancy and you won't drink tap water, but I can tell you it's relatively safe to drink tap water in Starkville, Mississippi, right? So there are... A lot of places I've been in the world where you better be careful about the water. When I've been on mission trips and ministry in the Middle East, in places like Egypt and Syria, it's a big difference between going to Israel and going to Syria, I can tell you this. And one of the big differences is the water. A lot of places I've been in Africa, you, you better be careful from whom you buy your water. I mean, there are guys who you know ride around with bicycles and jugs of water to sell it to you. Can you trust them? You tell me, what do you think? Uh, You better be really careful in Africa or in Central America from whom you buy or receive and drink your water. It was like that in the ancient Near East at the time Isaiah's writing. Got it? Water and from whom you get your water is a big deal. It's one of the reasons they drink a lot of wine too in those days. Um, The water and the food... Okay, no FDA, and you can kind of decide whether, uh, or ADA, I mean, you can decide how, how much you trust governmental agencies now, but it is a big difference from the way it was back then, right, it really matters from whom you get your bread, your water, your food. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Why are you chasing after trying to fulfill your life on junk and junk food and entertainment? that's leading you to hell instead of heaven, God says. In uh, my Sunday school class right now, we're studying Proverbs as part of the, you know, wisdom for a woke and wayward world. And the first segment of Proverbs runs from Proverbs 1 through chapter 1 through chapter 9. And in chapter 9, you get this big crescendo of, you've set up this conflict between Lady Wisdom, the woman of wisdom, who represents God's wisdom for us, and the adulterous, foolish woman. And in chapter nine, this is just classic, they both have a banquet and they're inviting the simpletons, that's most of us, to come their way. And the wisdom of God is saying, look, you don't have to be a fool. You can come banquet with me. And so Lady Wisdom (laughs) gives her invitation. And then the adulterous party woman gives her invitation, and this is in Proverbs 9, and let me just read you that her her invitation, it's a proud and stupid and deadly invitation, and it goes to this water issue. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. Hey, she's big shot, calling those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here, and to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen, did you hear that? Stolen water is sweet. That's a metaphor for sexual infidelity, okay? Stolen water is sweet, and bread that is eaten in secret is really pleasant. Come on, it'll be fun. But he does not know that the dead are there, and her guests are in the depths of Sheol already. So that's what's going on here. God is giving this invitation, and he's giving an invitation for us to live in and to hear his word, right? to be with him. You may remember when Jesus has uh, fasted for 40 days and the devil comes to him in the desert. Y'all remember this? And the devil tempts Jesus and says, you're hungry. And come on, you're the son of God. You need to impress me anyway. And you're hungry. So turn these stones into bread. And how does Jesus respond? Anybody remember? He quotes from Deuteronomy 8 man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of god it matters what your soul is consuming it matters what your family is consuming god is talking to us here and he's calling this this passage from deuteronomy 8 3 that jesus is quoting is a is a remembrance that when God gave the people the manna, he humbled them and called them to repentance. So also for us. So, um, C, come and hear. We don't just come to God, we're supposed to come and hear, okay? We're supposed to hear his word. We're supposed to listen to him. Uh, 55, three, incline your ear, come to me, hear. Hear, God says, so that your soul may live. And remember in the Bible and in Hebrew, hear means not just, in one ear and out the other. It means actually listening to and obeying the word, to hear the word, okay? Uh, And then D, repent and seek the Lord now, and now. Six and seven, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near now. Respond immediately. You can say, well, 40 years ago, I walked down the aisle, fine, stop living in the past and banking on your past. You bank on God, but you don't bank on your past. You come to him now. If you truly are saved, your life today will match up with that salvation. And God says, come, come now. There will be a day when the invitation is no longer there. Let me be very clear about this. This is the other side of the coin I just read. Seek the Lord while he may be found. What's the other side of that coin? There's going to be a day when he can't be found. This is your day. God has ordained for us to be here. Let us respond in full attention to the Lord. And believe me this, when death closes the door, the opportunity is definitely over. But even before death, we see it in the Bible and we see it in people's lives. People pass a point where they, their hearts are hardened. And they can no longer respond. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Respond immediately. How? Well, the scripture keeps telling us. You can see it in the notes. Let the wicked forsake his way. Now, forsake is kind of fancy Bible words for some of us, right? So let me just clarify. Forsake means to abandon, to drop. To drop like a hot potato and move away from. To move in a new direction. Let the wicked abandon, forsake, give up on, stop trusting in his own way, and the righteous man forsake his thoughts. Return to the Lord, and he will abundantly pardon today. He will do it. But how do we know that for sure? Well, that brings us to the center. Number two, know and believe in the New Testament. Okay, I've asked a few questions. You can see them in the notes. From whom... Does the New Testament come? Isaiah forty-three nineteen. Behold, I, the Lord, says, am going to do a new thing. From whom does the New Testament come? Did we figure it out? Did we create it? No. It comes from the Lord. What is it? It's a new thing that sprouts up like a mustard seed. It's a new thing that sprouts up like a sprout that Isaiah keeps seeing in the burned-out stump of Israel from the root of Jesse, the Messiah is going to come. I mean, you just would not expect this, but God says, look, look, open your eyes. I'm doing a miracle It's small and it may not seem like it's ruling the world in 2021, but I'm doing it. Pay attention to what I'm doing. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. What and for whom? Now it will sprout up. You will know, won't you know it? Come on, pay attention. I make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert region. What and for whom? Then God goes on and says this, I will make an eternal covenant. Do you hear that? It's a covenant that cannot be taken away. I will make an eternal covenant for you. The sure, loyal love, kindnesses made for David. Behold, I have made him, David, a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Um, So for whom are we talking about? Well, we're talking about David literally, right? Did David live up to? Is David the Messiah of the world? What do you think? No, but Isaiah and then Jeremiah and Ezekiel keep talking about how God is going to raise up David to save all the nations. Who is that David? That David is the son of David, right? The promised seed of David under God's covenant with David, Jesus. But notice this, the you expands to all who are in Christ. Pretty awesome, huh? So God is going to do this for, quote, David, who is actually fulfilled in Jesus, and then he gives it to all of us. That's how we can know salvation. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. He's glorified Jesus and through Jesus, he glorifies us. How? Verse 11, Isaiah 55. So is my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish, notice this, what I please and shall prosper, that for which I sent it. I specifically translated that for you because I want you to get the connection with the suffering servant, okay? That's Isaiah 55:11. Now, how does the word of God fulfill its purposes? How does God accomplish everything that he pleases and prospers what he sends? Go and look at Isaiah 53, verse 10. Second and third parts of verse 10, Isaiah 53. When his, the servant, Jesus's soul, makes an offering for guilt, he shall see seed, his offspring, everybody who believes in him, he shall lengthen days. Oh man, he will definitely lengthen days. You know, we're talking about eternal lengthening, right? And listen to this. In his hand, the Lord's pleasure. Remember that from Isaiah 55? The Lord's pleasure, what the Lord intends shall prosper. Pleasure, prosper, that's how the word works. It all comes through Jesus. That's what Isaiah 53 and 55 are telling you. And so that's how you can know this. So look, come as you are, know and believe in the New Testament through Jesus. And then third, finally, go out new. Do not go out from this place the same way you came in. Do not go out from an encounter with God the same way you were, you have not encountered God. You're fooling yourself. You're eating at another banquet, okay? You go out new in the New Covenant as New Testament witnesses. In verses 12 and 13, picture the abundance that God wants to give us. And God wants to give you right now. The abundance and the glory of his son and of his eternal covenant through which he has fulfilled all his promises to David and indeed all the Old Testament. Now, notice the difference here in the language. You shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. When Isaiah has a vision of the Babylonian conquest of Jerusalem and the Babylonian captivity, the people go out, do they go out in joy when they're chained and taken away as slaves? What do you think? No, they go out in humiliation and desperation, right? They go out of Jerusalem, out of Zion in desperation and humiliation. Do they go forth in peace? What do you think? No, they go forth as the spoils of war. Are y'all catching this contrast here now, okay? Now look at Isaiah 55:12. 12, seen beyond the Babylonian conquest and captivity and the total judgment that God brings through that. God now shows Isaiah the other side for all those who will believe in Jesus and join the new covenant. You will go out in joy, right? And be led forth what? In chains as spoils of war? No, be led forth in peace. And the mountains and hills are going to separate for your parade. (laughs) This is an incredible vision. The mountains and the hills will separate so you can parade through testifying to the glory of God. They will break into singing. And look, I love this, don't you? The branches, the branches of the trees, they will start clapping. This is the opposite of defeat and judgment. We have the opportunity to enter into the joy of the Lord and to rejoice in the eternal covenant through the son of David, Jesus, forever and ever. Okay? You shall be led forth in peace. And God will be glorified by Christ's name, born out in who you are as the light to the world. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an eternal sign that shall not be cut off. We think about this as we rejoice in 200 years of mission and ministry in that gospel. And God is inviting you and me to the same kind of joy now. Um, as I said, as I promised, um, I wanted to bring to you this, this other song. You know, come to the waters, or come to the water is kind of the front side of Isaiah 55. And the, and the other side is the trees of the hill. Okay, it's a Messianic Jewish song that the Gaithers like to sing. If you're not into the Gaithers and gospel music, you may not know this one. But I'm telling you, I taught it in three minutes to our three- and four-year-olds in the preschool during my chapel service with them this week. So you can learn it, too. And if you learn it, and if your children learn it, you'll know a verse of Scripture, Isaiah 55, 12. Um, So we're gonna see it in just a minute. You shall go out with joy and be led. You hear that messianic thing? You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break. Before you, there'll be shouts of joy and all the trees of the field will clap, will clap their hands. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. The trees of the field will clap their hands. The trees of the field will clap their hands while you go out with joy. You'll know a verse of scripture. And more importantly, you'll know where the gospel takes us. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you. We give thanks for this great day of Thanksgiving and your call of your gospel prescription. May we truly come as we are now and know and believe in the New Testament and go out in gospel joy as your witnesses. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.